Well, hey, we're actually starting a brand new series this weekend in and actually multiple venues. And so right now, folks from our church are gathered in all kinds of different places. And so for some of you, Maybe right now you're watching this in our outdoor venue. And so if that is you, howdy, and hopefully you're doing well. In fact, why don't you, if you're in the outdoor venue, why don't you go ahead and look around at someone next to you and throw an elbow bump to them. Of course, you got to try to maintain some distance, I guess, but go ahead and do that. So some of you are outside. Some of you are gathered in our indoor venue right now. And so if that's you, how are you doing? And hopefully you're doing good. And why don't you, why don't you do this? Why don't you turn to somebody next to you and slap them an air high five. How about that? Maybe something a little bit different, all right? So some are inside, some are outside, and then of course some of you are engaging and watching online, and so no matter where you are, I just wanna say uh, thanks for being here and welcome to Grace Church at the Medina East Campus. And let me just tell you a little bit about um, this brand new series that we're gonna be jumping into for the next six weeks kind of here together. And so the name of the series, as you can tell, is uh, called Recalibrate. And I actually think that the title of this series is is incredibly helpful in describing kind of the goal of this series. Uh, the word recalibrate, the definition of this word, uh, it's defined a few different ways, but it literally means this. It's to make adjustments or changes to correctly reset something. Okay, so that's the idea of recalibrating. It's to make adjustments or changes to correctly reset something. In fact, the Cambridge Dictionary takes a step further, and it also defines recalibrate as to change or adjust the way you do or the way you think about something. And so I think in a lot of ways that really helps articulate what we're hoping to do and sort of the goal of this this series. You know, I think as things uh, begin to slowly reopen and as we approach sort of regathering as a society and as things are starting to restart in so many ways, I think this is a really appropriate time and a needed series uh, as we think about our lives. Yeah, I, I think uh, I've, I've noticed, at least in a lot of my conversations, that it seems like one of the consistent themes that's come up is that I think a lot of us look at what's happened over the past few months and just kind of the season we're in as a community, as a culture. I think a lot of us would just say that it's been really weird, right? It's just been strange. I mean, hasn't it? I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've just thought that myself. I've just thought, man, this is, this is weird. This is strange. And I've noticed that in conversations. Like I said, this has been a pretty consistent theme with people I talk to. I've noticed that older people will say things like this. They'll say, man, I thought I saw it all. Uh, I thought, you know, in my life I've seen everything, but I've never seen anything like this in all my life. I hear people say things like, man, what a bizarre time to be alive right now. And so it is, it is pretty weird. You know, shopping feels weird. School feels weird. Work feels weird. Uh, everything kind of feels strange. Going to the doctor's office feels kind of strange. And quite honestly, you know, right now, the way we're doing weekend services for, for some of us, maybe your first thought right now is, man, this is kind of weird. Right? It's a little different. We're the social distancing thing. And of course, I'm on a video and, and it might feel a little bit awkward that way, which by the way, let me just say, if you're new to Grace Church, uh, the feeling of awkwardness is actually not something that is new or is kind of something that just happens in this season. We're actually pretty good at being awkward pretty much all the time. But, uh, but yeah, it's all, it's all just kind of weird, isn't it? And it's, it's kind of bizarre. I thought it was interesting. My wife and I, we were driving um, this past week past Medina Square, kind of through the square, and we saw this, this, uh, we saw this scene. So try to get this mental uh, image in your mind. So on the corner of the square, I saw a white guy standing there on the corner. He had a mask on and he was holding up a sign that said Black Lives Matters. And then behind him uh, was all of these boarded up 
businesses on the square. And I remember I turned to my wife and I just said to her, I said, man, if you, would have t- if you, if you took a picture of that and then you got a time machine and you took, took, you know, six months ago, you showed that picture to me, I would have thought to myself, what in the world is happening in 2020? And of course, it all makes sense to us now, right? And, and there's so much, so, so many crazy things going on, social distancing and restaurant pickups and endless Zoom meetings and online church services and homeschooling, ooh, for some of you, and Purell and Purell and Purell and strange and disturbing Netflix documentaries that are floating around out there. And so it's, it's such a weird time. And then in the midst of all of that, you know, we've also seen in the past few weeks the injustice and the riots and the protests and the demonstrations and all of that as well. And I just think that uh, maybe if you're like me, I think maybe a lot of us might be thinking this. We might be thinking, man, I am just really looking forward to getting through this, getting through this season, for things to get back to some kind of you know, semblance of normal, back to the way that maybe it kind of was before all of this went down. But in this series, in Recalibrate, what we, what we actually want to do is we actually want to take a moment and pause and say, yes, yes, let's get through this and let's begin to rebuild for sure. But at the same time, we also want to say, but not so fast, not so fast. Before we, we rush back into quote unquote normal, maybe we need to first pause and we need to ask, could this be a fresh opportunity to recalibrate our lives. Uh, could this be a fresh opportunity, like the definition says, could it be a fresh opportunity to make adjustments or to make some changes and to correctly reset our lives? Could it be an opportunity to change or adjust the way that we do or think about our lives? Uh, I thought it was so interesting. I heard a pastor say uh, throughout this time, he said, don't waste your quarantine. And you know, I thought that was actually pretty thought-provoking. It's a very thought-provoking statement that he made there because I think here's the truth. I think for you and I, if we walk through this season and we just go right back to the way things were before, you know, I don't actually think that's a win. I think that that actually might be to miss all that God might be trying to do and to teach and to change uh, kind of inside of us. And so, so let me just say this, you know, as a, as a Christian, I can just speak for myself. I know that not Everybody watching this right now is a follower of Jesus. In fact, if you're someone that's investigating Jesus, can I just say how privileged I, I, I feel that you would let us, let our church, let me uh, be any part of that investigation. But can I just say that personally, as a follower of Jesus, while, while I don't think that all that we see that's happening in our world today is what God wants, like I don't think that God wants sickness or pandemic or death or fear or injustice in his world. I don't think he wants those things. But here's what I do believe. I believe that God is totally and completely in control. I do believe that. And I know that for some of you that might sound paradoxical, but the Bible actually informs us of this, right? In books like uh, Romans chapter 8 in the Bible, it tells us that God will and he can use everything for his purpose and for the good of those who love him. And I believe that. I believe that even that which is intended for evil, uh, God can turn and he can use for our good and for his glory. And here's what I'm convinced of. I am personally convinced that this is true right now, that in our current landscape, that in this season, I believe that if viewed correctly and if dealt with correctly, this whole season 
that we can find ourselves that we find ourselves in can be an opportunity to refocus, an opportunity to recalibrate and to reevaluate our lives. And so here's the question, right? How do we do that? How do we recalibrate? How do we, in the midst of this weird time, how do we reset our focus? And so the place that I want to take you in the Bible, I think that's going to help introduce this, is in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you've got your Bible, why don't you go ahead and grab it with me. And let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, okay? So you're going to find that pretty much all the way back uh, to the end of your Bible, near the end of your Bible is where you're going to find Hebrews. As you're, as you're flipping there, let me just kind of remind you too that this is an introduction week to the whole series. And so my hope is to really just talk about where, where do we start in this recalibration and then weeks to come, we'll flesh that out. So as you're turning there, uh, let me just give you a little bit of background on the book of Hebrews and tell you why I think that this book is so relevant to the place we find ourselves in today. So the book of Hebrews uh, was actually a book that was written to a group of Jewish Christians in the first century. And so there's a group of Jewish men and women who uh, had put their faith in Jesus Christ. And pretty quickly after they started to follow Christ, they experienced suffering and persecution in their newly found faith. And so they started to experience some turbulence in their lives. And we're told that as a result of that, they began to drift away from their commitment to Jesus and to his people. And, and so in, in essence, I'll put it this way, the book of Hebrews is actually written to people who are so disoriented and so beaten down with difficulties, troubles, and uncertainty in life that they feel like they might be ready to give up. And they feel like they're drifting from their faith and those things that are more important. And they're losing focus and they're running out of steam. And so let me ask you a question. Does that sound like anything that some of us can relate to right now? You're like, well, yeah, that's like the whole stinking quarantine. And I'm saying, right, the book of Hebrews is very relevant. And so, and so in light of this, in this whole circumstance, the writer of Hebrews drops this letter to these Christians, and he basically kind of comes, kind of comes next to them. You can sort of think of the book of Hebrews like a coach, and he comes alongside weary people, helping them to recalibrate. And so here's what he's going to say. So chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. He says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So there you have it, just a couple verses. And man, what a powerful passage. For some of us, this is a very familiar passage. And you know, there's, there's actually a lot that we could say about this passage, but I want you just to notice for the sake of our conversation, I want you to notice the primary metaphor that he uses. It's actually back in verse 1 when he says this. He says, let us run with perseverance the race. Let us run the race. Now, this is important because everything he says in this passage centers on this metaphor that he uses. And what he's saying is this. He's saying that our lives, and more specifically, for those who follow Jesus, the Christian life is a race, is what he says. He says, it's a race. And, you know, I think, I think this is actually a very, very fascinating metaphor. Uh, commentators agree that more than certainly what he has in mind when he writes this is probably the Greek Olympic Games. And so that would have been real famous back in this time, the Greek Olympic Games. And one of the, one of the main events in that would have been uh, the foot race. And the foot race was something that was, I mean, it was, it was a big deal. Uh, professional athletes would train all year for this. They would get sponsored to do it. It was a, it was a big thing. 
And here, what's interesting is the writer of Hebrews says, I want you to think about that race. I want you to think about the Olympics. And he says, and that, that foot race is what the, our life, what the Christian life is like. That, that this is the metaphor that I want you to think through. And what's interesting is this is actually a pretty consistent metaphor that's used all throughout the New Testament. In other places, like in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and like Galatians chapter 5, it actually uses the exact same illustration to describe the Christian life, that it is a race. And I want you to notice too that the key connection in this illustration between the Christian life and the race is this right here, that it requires perseverance, that it requires perseverance, right? Now, it, uh, I don't think it takes long in the Christian faith, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you know this, to learn that maintaining a resolute commitment to Christ is not easy. And sometimes it demands, oftentimes it demands endurance. That following Jesus, I'll just put it this way, can be really hard, that it's hard sometimes. And in fact, can I just say this, that if you're a person that's investigating Jesus, you may have heard people say that following Jesus is full of joy and it makes your life easier and it's something that is full of all kinds of blessings. And um, in some senses that is true. But let me also say that maybe no one has told you this, but following Jesus is hard. It's challenging. Following Christ is beautiful, it's purposeful, it's joyful, and it's difficult. And the Bible and Jesus Christ himself were very, very clear on this point. In fact, I, I thought this was interesting. Did you know that the word that's used here for race, uh, that, that's in this passage, the word for race, is actually the Greek word. It's this Greek word right here. It's the word egon. Egon. Now, uh, I don't know if you can tell just by looking at this word, if you can guess which English word we get from this. This is the word where we get agony from. And so what he's saying is, is he's saying the Christian life in many ways is agonizing. It's agonizing. But it, just like in a race, it's not agony for the sake of agony, right? This isn't masochistic, but it's agony for a greater ultimate rewarding purpose is what he's going to say. You know, and I actually purposely, I think this is helpful um, uh, because I think oftentimes this is where sometimes followers of Jesus can get tripped up. Sometimes we can, we can misunderstand that the Christian life is a race. And so we become shocked when it gets challenging. We want to quit when it feels like the struggle's uphill, right? We feel frustrated or even sometimes betrayed when it doesn't feel good all the time. And I, I can just tell you, I know for myself, I feel this way sometimes. I feel this way. But I think what the writer of Hebrews is going to say is he's going to say, yeah, yeah, man, of course it's challenging. Of course, of course you're going to want to quit. That's normal. Of course, it's not always going to feel great. And why is that? Well, because it's a race. It's a race. And, and you might be thinking, okay, all right, it's a race. But what kind of race are we talking about exactly? Well, he actually helps us, I think, a little bit. So a few things here about this race. First off, it's a long race. It's a long race. The word that's used here in the Greek language and the illustration he's using, he's actually not talking about a sprint. He's actually referring to a distance race. And so in other words, he's saying this is, this is a long haul. This is, this is a, for, for a follower of Jesus, following Christ is a lifelong race. In fact, the Apostle Paul uh, who was a, a contributor to the New Testament and was very instrumental in early church, he actually said at the end of his life in the book of 2 Timothy 4, he said, I have fought the good fight and I have finished my race. And he says that at the end of his life. And so we talk about this idea of it being a long race. It's a lifelong race, all right? And so, and so that's important. There, there is no 
um, retirement in the Christian life, not on this side of heaven. That's not how it works. So why don't you just do this, in fact, real quick. Why don't you just look at someone next to you if you can. Just look at someone. Just ask them. Say, hey, 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 are you alive? Go ahead, do it. Turn to someone next to you. Say, hey, are you alive? Are you alive? Okay, great. If, if they answered yes, that they are, here, here's what I want you to say. Look at them again and say, look, if you ain't dead, you ain't done. All right, go ahead. Just tell them that. If you ain't dead, you ain't done. And I, I know some of you might be saying, yeah, but, you know, I'm retired. If you ain't dead, you ain't done. Some of you are saying, yeah, but I was, you know, I was really active in the church for a while. And yeah, but if you ain't dead, you ain't done. Following Jesus is a lifetime race, is what he's going to say. So it's a, it's a long race. But I, I also want you to notice that it's a team race. Now, this is an element that gets missed a lot, I think. But this is a race that we're not intended to run alone. In fact, if you notice, do you notice in, even in verse one alone, the amount of times that he uses we and us we are surrounded. Let us throw off. Let us run uh, the, the race that's marked out for us. And I think what we see here is that, is that this is intended to be something that we don't run alone, that we're not supposed to go it alone, that we're supposed to run with others kind of around us. In fact, did you know that one of, the, one of the big reasons why we gather, why it's so important that we gather like we do, one of the reasons that we promote things like life groups so often and encourage you to get involved in that. One of the reasons that we talk all about disciple making relationships, you know, be, be getting into spiritual friendships with other people is because we know, we just know we run better together. And actually in the next several weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about that, about how important it is as we recalibrate our lives to consider running together with other people. So we're going to see that, right? We're going to see it's a long race. It's a team race. Here's another one. It's a personalized race. So yes, we run it together, but that doesn't mean that we run the exactly same race. In fact, it's fascinating. The Bible's going to say that there's a race that's marked out for us. There is a, this is a customized race. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty interesting. If you go back one chapter, if you just glance back to Hebrews chapter 11, you'll notice that it lists several characters throughout the Bible, several people who were committed to God and ran their race. And he's going to explain how each of them ran their race faithfully, but also how they ran their race differently. They all had very different races that were set before them. And so our race is personalized as well. You know, I, I know that what we face in life is going to be different from what others face in life. The race that's marked out for us is going to be unique. And I'll just be honest, something that I have found personally encouraging through this time is that I believe that God knew that this pandemic and that the challenges that we're facing as a society right now are part of the race that he's marked out for us and that that is something that he's put in, for, put in front of us. And so it's a, it's a personalized race. So all that to say, you get it, right? It's a race. It's a race. And I think this is actually one of the main themes throughout the entire book of Hebrews. And the encouragement of Hebrews chapter 12 is this. Hey, hey, this is a race. And sometimes we get tired and sometimes we get discouraged and sometimes we get disoriented. This passage is intended to refocus and remind us of what is true. And, and it's intended to help recalibrate us and renew our perspective so that we can keep on running. So how do we do that? Well, he's actually going to give us advice. And he's actually going to give us three ways, three ways that we can work to begin recalibrating kind of our lives together. And what are they? Well, here's the three things. And we're going to talk about these pretty quickly. But number one, he's going to say, if you, want to, if you want to recalibrate, first off, declutter your life so you can run fast. Declutter your life so you can run fast. Number two, disentangle your life so you can run free. Disentangle your life so you can run free. And then number, number three, define the win of your life 
so you can run with focus. Define the win of your life so you can run with focus. So let's think about those three things relatively briefly. So the first one, declutter your life so you can run fast. But you notice uh, back here in verse, uh, verse 1, notice what he says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that hinders. Now, you may have a different translation of the Bible, and it might say, lay aside every weight. Right? That's the idea. And here, here's the idea is, um, what is weighing you down? And so again, kind of keeping with the race metaphor, Hebrew says that a runner must strip down anything that's unessential, must declutter all that weighs them down so that they can run, they can run far and run fast. You know, think about a runner for a second. In a marathon, one thing you never see is you don't see anyone running with a backpack on, right? No, you don't see anyone running with a suit on, like you would never see anything like that happen. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Oftentimes when you see runners, what are they wearing? Very, very, very little. Have you ever seen those runner shorts before? My goodness, right? In fact, I think it's interesting. Back in uh, ancient times, before spandex and microfiber and Under Armour and, and body glide and all that other kind of stuff, do you know what they used to wear in the Greek Olympics? Olive oil. And uh, that's it and nothing else. And so they, they literally would strip down everything. They would declutter uh, anything that would hold them back so they could run. And this is the picture that he has in his mind when he's talking to these, these Christians in the book of Hebrews. You know, I think what's interesting too is for distance runners, this stripping down is not merely one of clothing either, is it? Think about like marathon runners. Uh, marathon runners declutter uh, not just their, their clothes, but their calendar, uh, their diet. They, they, everything in their life accommodates the race. And that's the kind of mentality that he's talking about here. Yeah, I think it's fascinating through this season, one of the buzzwords has been this word right here. It's the word essential. We've heard this word at nauseum. Some of you hate this word because maybe your company or whatever said that you're not this, you're not essential. But what's interesting is that in this season, our economy and our society has been forced to decipher between what's essential and what's dispensable. And you know, in many ways, there's been a forced throwing off or a forced stripping down of things that we've seen. It's really forced our world to slow down. And so sports leagues and schools and extracurricular activities and trips and vacations, all of that's been, has been, you know, stripped down. All of that has been thrown off in the midst of this. And, you know, I think for, for those of us who follow Jesus, in many ways, this is something that can be viewed as much, much more than just an inconvenience. But hopefully we can look at this as an opportunity, you know, to like reevaluate and to recalibrate the extra weight that we may be carrying in our lives. You know, I think uh, now that things are slowly reopening, the question that I think we need to ask ourselves is what parts of our lives should we begin reopening? I think Christ followers need to actually think through that and process through that in a spiritual way, not just in a practical or in a reactionary way, but actually prayerfully to really think that through. You know, there's, uh, there's things that I think we have to look at and we have to evaluate and we have to ask, can I keep doing this and run hard after Jesus in the things that matter to him the most? You know, not even things that are sinful per se, but just things that are excess or things that are cluttering things up. So for example, when we talk about the idea of decluttering, maybe here's a few, a few suggestions of what that could be. Maybe for us, we got to think about extra commitments, extra commitments. Um, I think I've talked to a lot of people through this time 
who have talked about how because all of the activities of life got stripped away, that they've actually been able to reestablish some really healthy family rhythms. And so I've talked to moms and dads who have said, man, I've really loved getting this intentional time with my kids, time to, to play games, to read the Bible, to, to make a spiritual investment. I've heard people talk about that. I've heard people say, man, I've really appreciated having space to actually spend more time with Jesus, to, to, to focus more on those things. And, you know, before we rush back into some of the things that we would call normal, maybe we really need to evaluate, do they need to come back? And in what way do they need to come back? Here's another one. Um, extra commitments, baggage from the past. Yeah, that's one that, that's one that can clutter us up. Internal baggage. Yeah, I think this whole last series we did on emotions, we really talked about how this whole pandemic has exposed and increased a lot of mental health issues and emotional issues, anxiety, depression, so on and so forth. Could it be, though, that COVID is not the cause of those things, but could it be that in many ways COVID just exposed those things? And maybe, maybe those are things that you wouldn't normally pay attention to, but now all of a sudden... Uh, this internal baggage is brought to the surface in such a way that you realize it can no longer be left undealt with. And so maybe it's time for you to declutter that. Maybe you need to get, maybe, maybe it's time to see a counselor or it's time to, to talk to someone about what it is that you're experiencing and how you're struggling with uh, internal emotions and those type of things as well. How about this one? Excess entertainment. You know, we talk about, the, it's no surprise, we all know this. In our society, we already live in a society that is saturated in entertainment. But I think that this whole pandemic has maybe increased that some. I was, I was reading a pretty wild statistic the other day, and it was talking about Netflix. And so, so catch this, this is wild to me. Netflix users um, over the course of the quarantine have watched a total of 203.8 million hours of Netflix every day, every day. That equates to 6.1 billion hours, billion, of Netflix per month, which equates to 700,000 years of Netflix every month that America is watching. I'm just saying, that's a lot of time. And that's just Netflix. I'm not talking about Prime. I'm not talking about, you know, Disney Plus. I'm not talking about Hulu. I'm not talking about ESPN. That's just Netflix. And all I'm saying is that, yeah, for sure, I think that maybe we got to, you know, evaluate that and assess that. These are not bad things, of course, but they're things that we have to think about. Are they weighing me down and keeping me from running the race that God has kind of set out before me? What's weighing you down? So there's a lot of things we could add to this, but I think that's the question we have to ask, right? Is there a weight in your life that must be laid aside? So that's the first thing he's going to say. He's going to say, Declutter your life so you can run fast. And here's the second one. He's going to say, disentangle your life so you can run free. So kind of keeping with the same metaphor, notice what he says. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. So throwing off all that hinders, that's talking about weight, not necessarily a good or bad thing, just weighing you down. Sin, he's talking about painful, harmful, destructive decisions that we make. Uh, some of your translations might say the sin that trips you up. And I want you to notice here too, he doesn't, he actually doesn't say what that sin is. And I think he does that on purpose because I think he knows that it's going to vary from person to person. What easily trips me up might not easily trip you up. What easily trips you up might not easily trip another person up. And so it's a little bit individualized. But I will say, you know, maybe through this season, um, for the follower of Jesus, this, this whole time, 
maybe has exposed or has brought to light sinful behaviors and stumbling blocks that easily entangle you. Maybe you've seen that. I'll tell you, it's fascinating. I think statistics have shown us that a little bit. So I'll give you some examples. You're like, what, what, might, what might those be? Well, um, I think bitterness would be a good example. It's actually fascinating. In this very passage down in verse 15, he mentions bitterness specifically. And I think, I think the reason for that is because bitterness is something that definitely, it's one of those sins that can trip you up and it can take you out of the race. And I believe that in this past season, uh, there is a higher proclivity for there to be um, for there to be an opportunity for bitterness to take root. So many opinions, so many emotions right now. It can be so easy to be hurt, to be offended, to be polarized, and consequently, to become bitter. And so he's going to say, we got to throw off. We got to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. We have to disentangle that. How about this one? How about this one? Sexual immorality. He actually is going to mention that one by name down in verse 16. And why is that? Well, because it's so common. Sexual immorality can absolutely take us out of the race. It can trip us up and it can cause us to stumble. You know, one of the things that I thought was very disheartening is that throughout this time, um, the online church footprint has increased, which is awesome. But unfortunately, so has the online porn footprint. And activity on online pornography websites has skyrocketed throughout this quarantine. I thought it was really disheartening. I was reading a statistic from Pornhub. Uh, Pornhub is one of the largest pornography sites, and it's reported um, an increased pornography use in multiple countries throughout this pandemic. And it's, it's, it's even gone as far as up to 24.4% increase throughout this season globally. And, uh, and we just see that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that will, for the follower of Jesus, will trip us up. And that's just one small example of how that plays out. How about this one? Apathy. Just apathy. Maybe a little bit less overt. But apathy, I think, man, I think for sure, it's super easy to get caught up and just live in life for yourself, isn't it? It's already our natural proclivity to be self-centered, but I think it's even harder and even more challenging when we're all in isolation for us to feel that, to just live for ourselves and think about ourselves. That's something that can trip us up from running the race. Uh, addictions of all kinds, of all kinds. And we could talk all about that. I'll tell you another statistic that was blowing my mind. I was reading through this quarantine in America. Get this. In America throughout this quarantine, liquor and grocery, uh, liquor and grocery stores saw sales of wine up to 27.6%. Beer and spirit sales are up 26.4% compared to the same period last year. This one blew my mind. Sales of three liter boxes of wine rose by 53%. 53%. And of course, I'm, I'm not saying that if you're you know, going and buying your wine or whatever, that that means that you have an addiction issue. But what I'm saying is that says something about our country. That says something about where we're running in the midst of these times. And so, so I think for sure, this is maybe exposing some of that. We need to ask the question, you know, you can add a bunch of stuff on the screen. What's tripping me up? And in light of this passage, as we look to recalibrate, I think one of the things that we need to ask is, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to throw that off? And maybe, maybe it's time for you. Maybe it's become very apparent that you need to get some accountability. Maybe you need to link up with another brother or sister in Christ or someone that you know that's a good friend and say, hey, I need some help on this. This keeps tripping me up. Maybe you need to get connected to a community of people who can help you with that. It's really important. And so here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, here's how we, here's how we start to recalibrate. We, we declutter our life so we can run fast. We disentangle our life so we can run free. 
And then here's the last one. We need to define the win of our life so that we can run with focus. I save this one for last because this one is the most important by far, by far. In fact, you can't do these first two unless you've defined this last one, which is what is the goal? What is the win of my life? Right? That's it. It's the most important. What, what is the win? Where am I headed? And look what the author of Hebrews is going to say. He's going to say this. Such a beautiful passage. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He says, that's it. That's it. Defining the win, defining the goal, defining the finish line. Where are we headed? He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the prize. Now, I think it's actually really interesting. Something can be missed when you just read that at first glance. Because in the original Greek language, which is the language that the New Testament was written,